Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast on Ringer FC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Back to back recordings, Musa. Exactly, we we're move. going in. We move. Ah, we're like an NBA team, aren't we? Like in a schedule, we're on a road trip. Yeah. Back to back. Oh, is it? You say this <laughs> one's a schedule loss. <laughs> <laughs> Musa's had to sit because of load management. Exactly. Can you imagine if I load manage the podcast? <laughs> Musa's not here today. He's load managing. Yeah, Musa's <laughs> on a minute's restriction. <laughs> Hey, we've got a little bit, of, little bit of sad news, though. What's sad news? Is it sad news? Is, is it, it sad? I mean, compared to what's going on in the world, this is probably joyful. Uh, this is our last full show on the Stadio feed. From Monday, we'll be f- exclusively on the Ringer FC Spotify feed. Don't forget, you only need a free subscription to listen. You don't need a paid subscription. Uh, for those of you who are listening on the Stadio feed, we'll put a link to the Ringer FC Spotify feed in the description. However. We will be posting the first segments of each podcast for a little bit. Not sure how long, but this is a little bit of breaking news. The first segments of each podcast will go up on the Stadio feed on all platforms as normal until the first break. We thought that, you know, we'd sign off in full on the Stadio feed with a what if episode. So this was originally supposed to be Thursday's episode, but we decided that, well, we realized whilst recording or prior to recording that there was so much football to talk about that instead of making it a super, super long blockbuster director's cut two and a half hour long episode, we'd do two. Yep. So this will be, yeah, last one on the Stadio feed in full and our first What If episode since we started doing stuff on the Ringer FC feed. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And also it gives us an extra chance to plug my agenda. <laughs> BritishPodcastAwards.com forward slash vote. Please go vote for us in the, in the Listener's Choice Award. You can just search for Stadio in the search bar. It's the last chance. It closes Monday or Can't Sunday vote. night, I think. So please, please, please vote for us. It would really, really help. Hopefully we can, unlike either of the sides that we support, hopefully <laughs> win a trophy this year. <laughs> so, what ifs? Are you ready, Musa? I am indeed ready. Have you warmed up? Have you oh, done your wow. stretches? Can we ever be truly ready? Can we ever be truly ready? Let's get into it. I want to start with this one. And um, we had a few on this. Joey Kinney said, what if Liverpool didn't give in to Coutinho's demands and sold him to Barcelona in 2018? And there were a few people who also said, what happens if Coutinho doesn't leave Liverpool? Oh, yeah, you see, this is the thing. This is the really interesting thing. I remember looking at the stats when Coutinho was sold and the way that Liverpool were moving on the ball without him and thinking Klopp is quietly satisfied with that piece of business because he saw the progression of Liverpool and he just saw there was a bottleneck with Coutinho. There was a predictability to the movement and people were working out what Liverpool were doing. Mm-hmm. And this was the really sad thing. Liverpool evolved beyond Coutinho's style. So if, this is going to sound harsh, if Liverpool had kept Coutinho, they wouldn't be at the level they're at now. Um, because if you think what Coutinho does, you'd have him, where would you have him playing? He wouldn't be in your front three, right? Um, but he wouldn't be starting. Oh my God, here's an argument. Coutinho actually, Liverpool actually carry on being Liverpool because Klopp is too smart to allow one individual to stop the collective. He's never really allowed that. Never really. If you look at Klopp's career, he's always managed to like marginalise someone who's not quite right for the dynamic. So actually Coutinho becomes a kind of like Shakiri, a Cherdan Shakiri. Like that's what he becomes. He becomes frozen out because the system evolves beyond him. A bit like Sturridge, unfortunately. You have the 4-2-3-1 and Klopp's like, that's not fluid enough. So he just gets swapped out. So actually the impact on Liverpool is not as profound as we think it is because we're assuming that Klopp's going to keep playing him. Why? Like Klopp doesn't do that. Klopp's never done that. I think that this transfer unlocked Liverpool. It did. I agree. I agree. This is the thing. I think that Liverpool get where they get anyway. They just take them a bit longer to get there because Klopp is such a great coach that he is capable of taking. I think that, I think if he, he can, Here's my thinking. Klopp is such a great coach that he gets to this point in the end 
because he's capable of coaching someone to a level like far beyond. And they needed Van Dijk and they needed Alisson Dingham and they needed those players. But I think that Liverpool's commercial power off the field combined with the quality of Klopp's coaching would have gotten there a couple of years later. I mean, if you think they still got to the final of the Champions League a few months after they sold Coutinho. Right. And they didn't have Alisson. No. That, that addition really yeah, he's won them the Champions League. He's extraordinary. Absolutely. Yeah. Combined with Van Dijk and obviously they had Naby Keita, Fabinho. I'm not sure, you know, I don't think they win the Champions League if Coutinho stays. No, I don't, I don't think they do all of this. Don't get me wrong. I think they get there but a couple of years later. As we're stood here right now. Yeah. You don't think? Not now. No, no, no. Because the margins are not. I, Alisson is such a great signing. I think what Klopp does is think if Klopp has less money because he's kept Coutinho, then I think that he, they find the money from other sales because he's so good at coaching players. He sells other players at a premium because his coaching is so good that he raises the value of players. And I think they get here two years later. So I think for this period, City are more dominant or City might win again, for example, because Liverpool is still building. But I think that Klopp is so good. Put it this way, if they get a guy like Newbill from, from Schalke, they get a, another great keeper from somewhere else because there are other great keepers out there. Yeah, Newbel's nowhere near the level of Allison. Allison's a beast. He's like a generational talent. Yeah. But I think that somewhere out there, two years from now, Klopp finds another generational talent in goal and gets Liverpool there. I just think he's, I just think he's too good for them not to eventually become champions. Who else was sniffing around Allison at the time? Chelsea. Well, everyone, Jesus. I think he maybe goes to Chelsea. Yeah, I could see that. But then that means that Kepa doesn't go. So does Kepa right. stay at Athletic? Which means it halts the progress of Unai Simon, who's arguably now becoming one of the better keepers in La Liga. Right. Or does Kepa move on to somewhere like... United? Maybe. But then what do you do with De Gea? Does De Gea go to Real Madrid instead of Courtois? No. But then does that mean if Chelsea don't shift Courtois, do they get Alisson? Alisson's such a Chelsea signing if he doesn't go to Liverpool. I think Alisson ends up at Chelsea. Yeah, I think that's a good shout. That makes Chelsea quite dangerous. Does Van Dijk stay at Southampton? I think the Van Dijk thing happens because they've been tracking for so long. I think they find the money for that somehow. Like if you look at like how Klopp came out and was like, we're not going to break the bank and they ended up breaking the bank. Yeah, but they only once. really did it on the, I think once they knew that the, Keats, the Coutinho thing was on. Because yeah, they announced Van Dijk just before New Year and then they sold Coutinho just after New Year. I think I think the Van Dyke is the is the transfer that happens anyway. I really think you it think? is. Yeah, I think it is. Alisson might not happen, don't get me wrong. I think they still end up getting a really, really good goalkeeper because, you know, the Carriers thing didn't work. He was very good, obviously, in the Bundesliga, but it was just a step too far. I think they still end up getting an elite goalkeeper. It's a small margins with the Premier League. So I think that maybe City win. They win another title in the bounce. But I think the long-term trend is still towards Liverpool. Do you think City win the league this year then? Yeah, I think they do. I think they do. Do you think Barcelona win the Champions League last year? Yes, because the only team that could have beaten them was a Liverpool. That year when, Le- when Messi was peaking, the only team that could have manifested that comeback, I think. Because look how dominant they were at Wembley. Look how brilliant they were. People forget this is the thing. It's such oh short memories. unbelievable. Yeah. Such short memories. Such short memories. Messi and what they did, what Barcelona did to Spurs, one of the best performances by a Spanish team on English soil, which is, you know, maybe sort of not saying, well, no, no, actually Barcelona, they put some great performances, one of the best Barcelona performances away. And this is a Barcelona team that wasn't really famed for its away performances. And Valverde doesn't get credit for that. So yeah, I think Barcelona, like Liverpool were the only antidote, the same way that Atleti were the only team that could have beaten Liverpool in this year's Champions League. And I will die on that hill. I think the only antidote to Liverpool, to, to Messi peaking I think that was kind of his, his last shout because he actually came out and guaranteed a Champions League victory. Mm. Not guaranteed to be said, we're going to win it. And that to me is like, it's like Joe Namath with the Jets going, we're going to win. Like Messi, football has never guaranteed victory. Messi guaranteed it the preseason. And the only team that could have stopped them, I still believe this was Liverpool. So you think, so basically we're saying if Coutinho stays at Liverpool, yeah. Barca win the Champions League last year. I think so. Man City win the league this year. Yes. And Alisson goes to Chelsea. Yes. Is that, what, Guardi- is that, is that our three? I think so. And Guardiola doesn't get the Champions League he wants and he burns out. And when he burns out, Klopp steps into the breach and they become dominant. 
I just think Klopp is undeniable. I think you can't keep him at bay for more than two years because look, every year he just keeps improving his players mm. and his squad. And then he keeps attracting team, he keeps attracting players. You know, Champions League final, people want to play for you because they're speaking on WhatsApp, all the players going, no, Klopp is the guy, Klopp is the guy. And Coutinho becomes like a role player. It becomes like when Ben Taleb gets to, gets to Spurs and Pochino comes in and is like, you were probably the best of the crop here, but now it's, it's a new level now. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. That was fun, by the way. Thanks a lot for that. Okay, we had two here on the, uh, kind of on the subject. One from Frank Sidekick and the other one from Cyrus on Twitter. They're kind of related, and so I'm going to merge the two. Cyrus's one was, what if the Women's World Cup had, been, had started when the men's had and continued until today? And Frank's sidekicks was, what if the FA hadn't banned women's football in 1921? The game was growing quicker than the men's back then in England. Someone else asked us this, and it's something that we've not actually done, I don't think, on a what if, but we've covered, I think I covered it in a rant when we were talking about the US soccer and US women's national team lawsuit. But there, I think there's a really short answer to this one. So I don't really want to get into a huge what if because for those who know about the situation in the UK, well, specifically England, the women's game was drawing as large, if not larger crowds than the men's game was in the late 1910s and early 1920s. And then was effectively banned and outlawed by the English FA who threatened professional clubs with the removal of their license if women's football was played in their stadiums. Now, this ban lasted until, what, the late 70s, I think it was? 24 to 74, I think it was. Yeah. So I think there's a really short answer here, and I think it would just be just as big. And I think I said this as well before, but the world would look completely different socially because... If you look at like the women's game and the fact that you've got, it's completely commonplace to have openly queer players yep. and openly queer players dating each other yep. in the same team. And some might say that's weird, but then you look at like offices, how many office couples like meet at work, right? So you'd have the normalization of relationships at work in high pressure environments um, and the normalization of openly queer relationships, and that would have an impact on society as a whole. Yeah. I think if you look at how, how, how long football has been seen as, especially in Europe, I think it's different in the States. I think that the relationship with, with, with soccer in the States is very different to how it is in the UK or, or Europe. And on the whole, it has been very male dominated in terms of fans, in terms of coverage, in terms of punditry, in terms of energy. It's very masculine. It's a very masculine thing, which we don't really, we're not wild about. Mm. I think you're right. I think that if the women's game had been given the conditions to grow in parallel with the men's game at the same rate, I wonder how different both sports would be. I think because football is so important to certain levels of society in Europe and in various parts of the world, but obviously we're based in Europe, we're more aware of the situation within Europe or the nuances. I personally can't see a world where the sport as a whole isn't more positively affected. And this is why when you look at sort of social phenomena like poverty and other, you know, other forms of inequality, you realise that they're socially constructed and specifically man-made, made by men and made by a small group of men. Those small group of men in that boardroom. And this is why socially we're having trouble with these like, you know, protest movements trying to get concrete change because at the end of the day, it's still a small group of men consciously calculating, clinging onto power. Mm-hmm. That, that FA decision was so cynical. I remember that one, there was, a, there was, um, there was an international, as 48, 50,000 watching a women's international and the, someone sat in a boardroom and was like, that's quite enough of that. Yeah. The cynicism, uh, the, I can't imagine how devastating I mean, if we had podcasts back then and social media and all the rest of it. Oh my God. If imagine we, yeah. how devastating to go from 50,000 fans and you're playing in local parks. Like that is an act of one of the most... Well, it's cruel. It's, yeah, a, it's an act of cruelty for a start. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah. it's, it's Brutal. And it, it wouldn't be the first time, and I'm sure it won't be the last time, that a group of men made decisions on behalf of women without really consulting any. You know, there were, there were so many arguments at the time, oh, they should use a lighter ball. 
the sport of, the, the sport isn't good for women's bodies. It's the same arguments that you see with things like abortion or women's rights in general. It's like consult the women, ask the women. You know, the, a common thing with it, you see this with with women's football now. It's like you always get some dude being like, "Oh, they should make the goals smaller," or the same in the in the WNBA. Oh, they should lower the rim. Right. First of all, a why do you give a shit? And b have you thought about asking the professionals who are actually playing the sport? And C, can I throw this in as well? Right. Yeah. That same dude asking for those changes, the second those changes is made, will stop watching the sport. Well, they probably don't watch it anyway and they probably will never watch it, but it's yeah. just consult the professionals, like consult the people who these decisions are affecting. I think if women's football had been given, because, you know, at the time the UK was a trailblazer for football back then and it had a chance to lead by example. And I think that the growth of women's football across the globe really hinged on that moment. I personally think that the growth of the women's game has been astounding considering the conditions that it's been placed under. Absolutely. In short, if it hadn't been banned, I think the world as a whole would probably be a better place because of the knock-on effects that football has around the world. So, Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with more what ifs. I'm so excited to introduce the Bakari Sellers podcast in partnership with The Ringer. We're tackling the issues of the day through interviews with high profile guests and conversations with a rotating panel of the country's best and leading thinkers, influencers and writers. You know, I'm not only an attorney and a former elected official. Sometimes you see me on CNN and I'm a new author of a New York Times bestselling book, My Vanishing Country. But now we're introducing the Bakari Sellers podcast, and we're going to cover everything from the 2020 election to sports and culture to the larger movement for racial equality in the United States. We're going to have some of your favorite quarterbacks, some of your favorite politicians, some of your favorite athletes, writers, singers, actors, actresses. The Bakari Sellers podcast will debut on Monday, June 29th. Listen free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're back from the break. Let's go to another one. This one from Wilfred Lawrence. What if Terry doesn't slip and Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, is the Moscow scapegoat? Oh, that's an amazing question. So basically then, Chelsea win the Champions League in 2008. Gosh, that's so good. Okay, let me, let me recalibrate. I'm actually scribbling some notes here. Scribbling notes? That's against no, Stadio I'm, Protocol. I'm, I'm drawing a diagram, right? This is a strict no-note zone, man. That's no, how... No, I'm, I'm drawing a diagram, right? I need to visual... We're not all visualists here. We're not all geniuses. We can right? only get away with this nonsense if, if there are no notes. If we're writing notes and we have... Then we, sh we should be well better at this. There's no notes. I've got a pen and paper. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, so let me just get this right. No notes, no notes. Okay, so I'm going hands-free. So United don't win in 2008. Mm -hmm. They don't win next year because next year Barca are coming mm -hmm. Chelsea win in 07 08 but Barca are coming but Chelsea stop Barca because Chelsea have strengthened because when you win a Champions League everyone wants to play for you so Chelsea get better and they beat Barca in that head to head ooh Guardiola's, in 2009 yeah look how close it was look what it goes down to Look what it goes down to. It goes down to that moment. Now, if Chelsea strengthened because they won the Champions League the year before, which they will, they beat Barca that year. And that whole moment, the Iniesta doesn't happen. That is a huge knock-on effect. It's a huge... You're telling me Chelsea don't strengthen after winning the Champions League. And everyone wants to play for them. And Drogba yeah, comes but... back chip on his shoulder because Drogba's been set off in the final. So Drogba is like, wants to win his own Champions League. I, I, see, I took a little bit of a different angle on this. I think, I think Ronaldo goes in 2008. I agree. I think he goes to Real Madrid. Yep. But the thing that I'm thinking about is what happens to Avram Grant? Do you think they sack him anyway? I think he goes. The Chelsea. The Chelsea. And they sacked him after that final and brought in Scolari. Yeah. But who else was around at that time? 
But do you think they maybe go for Ancelotti earlier? If they do that, then they're definitely beating Barca. I'm wondering about the optics of them firing the manager. No offense. I mean, no, they don't care, do they really? No, they disrespect to, no disrespect to Chelsea, but when have they cared about optics? Yeah, true. <laughs> when <laughs> have they... <laughs> what am I talking about? What, what man, t- this is why I could never be involved in football because it's like, oh, he can't sack Avram. He's just won the Champions League and there's someone upstairs being like, Ryan, sack him. Yeah. Otherwise I'm going to sack you. And I'd be like, all right, sorry. Sorry, Mr. Abramovich. Still for me, it will always be Jupp Heynckes getting sacked after winning the Champions League in 98. That will always be the greatest sacking of all time Oh man, Real Madrid. Notorious. So this, does that make sense though? Chelsea get a new manager and they get new players. Drogba comes back with a grudge because he wants to win his own Champions League. And Chelsea made a, made a, maybe don't win the whole thing in 08 09. They go to the final though. And they find United again, maybe again. Mm, well, no, this is United without Ronaldo now though, remember? Oh yeah, I've got that, yeah, that doesn't happen. Oh no, good point. Ronaldo- so, I mean, the, I think the thing is, all right, I think the 2009 one is up for debate because that was kind of like proto-Pep, wasn't exactly. it? Exactly. This wasn't 2011 Barca, which I still think is probably the greatest club side I've ever seen. Yeah, the greatest team, I think. Yeah, We've touched on team. this before, yeah. But yeah, 2009 was a tricky one. I mean, That's who do you think Chelsea, who do you think, oh, 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 hang on, hang on. Can I go Rylo Ren? Go for it. What about Ronaldo to Chelsea? <laughs> that is, oh my God, that is, that is, do you know, you know what's so amazing about that? Hang on, hang on. Cristiano, <laughs> come to the dark <laughs> Come, join us at Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> You have done many things here. <laughs> Join me on the throne. <laughs> oh my God. I'm gone. Oh my God. <laughs> I think gonna, I'm going to be gone after this podcast. I'm going to be like, getting my, I'm going to get a verbal you. warning. Moose, <laughs> just a quick note. Um, they're going to start telling tales on you. <laughs> Moose, can you check on Ryan? Yeah. Can I say this? Um, uh, the only reason I don't think Ronaldo goes to Chelsea is because his desperation to go and play for Real. Yeah, can I just can I can I just get myself out of trouble here? I no, don't actually no, no, believe no, for no, a second no, that no, he would end up at Chelsea. No, no, don't get no, don't no, don't unspeak that. No, because I make my hot takes and I die on my heels. So you have to carry this. <laughs> you have to take this L. Yeah, but I don't genuinely believe it. Back, you know, I think I think I think it would be back it though. Well, but think about that time though. In the two thousands, there were a lot of moves between Premier League clubs of of players. Like, or there were a lot of noises of people who wanted to go to Chelsea. Absolutely. You know, Gerard famously wanted to go to Chelsea. Yes. yes, yes. You know, Torres ended up there. Ashley Cole moved to Chelsea from Arsenal at a time when those two were massive rivals, and Arsenal were they were more guaranteed to challenge for titles than they are now, and they still made that move. I don't think it happens because I think he, gen- like you say, I think he genuinely wants to play for Real Madrid. However, I think that if Chelsea beat Manchester United at that time in a Champions League final yes. and then start making moves yes. and maybe go for someone like Ancelotti earlier, right? I think there are conversations to be had there. I think there are. Look, I mean, let's be really galaxy brain. <laughs> Yaya Toure, where does he end up? Like. Mm-hmm. If Chelsea beat Barca and Pep doesn't become what Pep really wants to become and Yaya Toure is kicking his heels because he doesn't get the move he wants and Chelsea are like the champions, the European champions, Yaya's mm. like, ah, City gave me an offer, but Chelsea gave me an offer too. Oh, actually yeah. I like that. That's a move I can see happening. And the Ronaldo, look, the Ronaldo thing about, it's such a great scenario because the thing stopping him going to Chelsea, I don't think it would be a loyalty to Sir Alex Ferguson. I think it would be the rail thing. If the rail thing's out of the equation, Chelsea's a realistic proposition. Mm-hmm. And that changes their entire energy. We've seen it so many times. You win a Champions League or get to a Champions League final and it just, it's just the allure. And what yeah. Chelsea were building there, I mean, wow. Like Chelsea were only a couple of years out from three league titles in a row. They had Balak, Lampard, and that incredible midfield that almost won in 06, 07. They're good for another few years. And look look how many more years at his peak Drogba has got. I mean, wow. I, th- I, I also think though, I think for the Premier League, weirdly, if Chelsea win that Champions League, it 
the power balance. It's bad news. The power balance. Bad news for everyone. Yeah, because the power balance stays. We forget this. United went to three Champions League finals in four years. Right? They <laughs> lost one, one, and lost two. And in that period, United and Chelsea were dominant. So that means that basically United. So oh my goodness, this is a huge knock-on effect. Spain don't happen. That whole Spain three in a row. I don't think that happens. Uh, no, I see. I think I think the wheels were already in motion for that. I don't know if it happens because don't forget like what that Iniesta's goal did. No, no, no. Because think they win that 2008 Euros anyway. Yeah, but the catalyst of the goal, the catalyst of Iniesta's goal, no, it's nine. The impact of that. You talk to Barcelona players and fans about that and what that did. The belief that gave them. Uh, I think. See, I, I don't. I think Spain still happens because I think that Spain, Spain win that 2008 Euros and they're already off. I see what you're saying, but I, th- I, I think you're looking at it maybe from a different angle to me. I think the, the only reason that can get affected is if Ronaldo moves to Real Madrid that year. That's the thing that could potentially have the knock-on effect for that Spanish side. But I still think they're so far into the process by then. But that's already an if you think how far, if you think how far, If you think how far down the line you already have to be to win a Euros. Right. And bear in mind, the outcome of this game would have changed the Euros in no way. I think that's fair. I think the only thing that could potentially derail that was whether Ronaldo would have had an impact on Real Madrid a year earlier. That's the thing. But I still think Pep happens and I still think Barca happen. Do you think Real Madrid, if they get Ronaldo a year earlier, go for Mourinho a year earlier? Or do you think that they, ha- they needed him to win that treble at Inter to get him? I think he needed to, yeah, I think that had to happen. Yeah? I think that, yeah, I think that had to happen. I think that Ronaldo going a year early... Like Real don't mind when they buy their superstars. They're not really too bothered with that. They're like, there's a brilliant player on the market. We get him, we'll get the manager in. It's one of the few clubs where the manager almost feels secondary to the kind of staff they bring in, the playing staff, mm. um, at least in terms of major clubs. But yeah, I think, I think that, that has huge implications for the Premier League and their dominance of European football. And that becomes the model. Like, mm. And that has all kinds of interesting tactical implications for you know, what systems work, what systems don't work, what style of football works. Because, you know, don't forget when, you know, this is a semi-final, doesn't get talked very often. When, when Bayern destroyed Barcelona in 2013 in that semi-final, 7-0 in aggregate, doesn't get talked about enough. It's really a weird one, maybe because it's almost shameful. But the message that that sent was that actually, yeah, physicality is back. And that's never really gone away. That's never really, we've never really shaken that mentality and it's funny, European football, when a team wins a certain style, that becomes the dominant narrative. So if Barca don't win the Champions League in 08 09, then that style of football doesn't become the dominant trend. So actually, you don't see, mm. you look at like Japan, for example, Japan in the Women's World Cup going and winning, and the style they play, and, the, you know, it really liberates a lot of conservative football associations to trust their tactically progressive coaches and say, actually, mm. It's working because you know when it, when it, it's a period, you know, football's a pyramid effect. It's copycat. That thing works. Everything works. Like oh my goodness, United are using wide forwards. They're using like four six zero formation. Everyone starts using it. Portugal come to the Euros in two thousand. They don't have a striker. They got rid of Pauleta and they brought in Nuno Gomes, a withdrawn nine, a false nine. So there's all kinds of interesting tactical formations that spring. Now Drogba basically becomes the paradigm. You don't win a Champions League without. You know, to an extent, Barca had that with her Etu, but that becomes the dominant thing. Like a false nine is not the sort of, the go-to. Yeah. So there's all kinds of interesting tactical things that come. What, oh gosh, what a great question that was. Yeah. That's a really interesting one to figure out that. And just before anyone asks me, I don't really think Ronaldo No, yeah, no, no. If anyone comes right. to you, yeah. It's, just, yeah. it's quite fun. Yeah. Okay, right. Two more before we let these good people enjoy their weekend. Let's do it. This one's really interesting. From Martin White, what if Bayer Leverkusen held their nerve and won the treble in 2001-2002? Does Balak still leave? Do Leverkusen become a dominant force in Germany? And more importantly, does this erase Zinedine Zidane's Champions League final goal from history? Oh, wow. Let's put this season into context for everyone who doesn't know. So obviously everyone remembers that Leverkusen were in the final against Real Madrid. But they also missed out on the Bundesliga to Borussia Dortmund by a point. And they did this after only winning one of their last four games. So their last four games played like this. They actually hammered Dortmund 
in the February, 4-0 at home. Some great teams in this league. 1860 were still in the Bundesliga at this point. Enigi Cottbus were as well. Oh my God, shout out to Cottbus. And also, Hansa Rostock. Oh man, the East was big. The last four games were a one all draw to Hamburg, a 2-1 home defeat to Bremen, a 1-0 away defeat to Nuremberg, and then they beat Hertha on the last day of the season 2-1 and they still finished a point behind. Nuremberg, that was the one. That was the one. Oh no, that's the one. Yeah, they finished a point behind Borussia Dortmund and a point ahead of Bayern Munich, who came in third. Brutal. And uh, that season, check the league out this season. Dortmund top, Leverkusen second, Bayern third, Hertha fourth, Schalke fifth, Bremen sixth, Kaiserslautern seventh, Stuttgart eighth. 1860 Munich finished ninth in the Bundesliga that season. They obviously went to the final of the Champions League, but they also lost in the final of the... German Cup to Schalke 4-2. Horrifying. So. What a trauma. What an absolute. No. That, the, there was an Ever and Amazon documentary of that. Oh, mate, that'd be amazing. That's devastating. Balak lost the World Cup final that year as well. Mm-hmm. That is an absolutely devastating 12 months psychologically. I mean. They, wow. Yeah, I forgot about they that. They wouldn't have expected. I think Neuville, was Neuville at Leverkusen as well? Oliver Neuville? Yep. So what are we saying? They win the. The treble? Yeah, they win the treble. Okay, so if they win the treble, Balak still goes. That's what Bayern do. If you win or not, they still take you. Going to Bayern takes his career to a different level. Like Balak winning a treble and then going to the World Cup final puts him in the shop window for everyone. But because Bayern are Bayern, they get their guy. Yeah, I mean, I think if they won the league that season, I think you'd see a similar thing that happened with Leicester. They've never won the Bundesliga. Right. They finished runners-up a few times, but they've never won. And I think that would have been one of those, this is kind of as much as we can do here. Yeah. It's time to move on. You'd see probably half of that side still get picked off and go all around Europe. Placente for sure. He was brilliant at that point. Placente, yeah. definitely. I mean, he was unlucky, Placente, because they get knocked out. Argentina get knocked out in the first round of the 2002 World Cup. Mm-hmm. playing some brilliant football, but just actually failing to finish. Like that, that Argentina team needed one more group game and they were going to start hammering teams. Like typical Bielsa, it takes a while for the kind of techniques to get into place. Maybe Bashtuk gets a bigger move. I think it's big transfers for Leverkusen. I think it brings in a lot of money. What it does to Real, well, weirdly enough, they'd won in 98 and they'd won in 2000. So they already had a kind of dynastic type energy about them. And I think all those, like, you know, Casillas, had an astonishing performance in goal coming on, I think, for Cesar at halftime, I think. Um, and he keeps out some great efforts late on from Leverkusen. Zidane still becomes Zidane because anyone watching Madrid would have seen how within six months of Zidane's arrival, that became his team. Mm. Um, so Zidane's myth, his legend, I think still becomes something at Madrid, just not quite to that extent. Do you think Ronaldo arrives that summer? If Real Madrid don't win the Champions League. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, because look at his... I mean, they didn't have WhatsApp groups back then, but whatever form of communication they had, Figo and Zidane would have been like, come to Madrid. Like, Mm. this is the thing about Madrid. Nothing keeps you away from there. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? They're one of those clubs that's almost immune to how many trophies they're they're winning. No offence, Ryan. I love the Stadio podcast, but if I got a text message after this from Madrid and they were like, come to Madrid, and I'm like, I'd walk there on my busted knee. I mean... Whatever. Would you? I've got a good scouting system. We'll be fine. <laughs> We're very much a uh, develop and sell exactly. model. Stadio. Sell, sell them at the top of the market. <laughs> <laughs> Just the uh, the podcasting Sven Mislintat. <laughs> yeah, but no, Madrid, that club that you just go to, I think there are some transfers, Ryan, that are inevitable in football. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree, the, actually. The generational ones, you know, the generational ones that, yeah. Mm. I mean, what happens to Del Bosque, though? He gets fired, probably, right? Of course he gets fired. Did he get fired anyway that year? <laughs> probably. No, no, he went the year after. Oh, for goodness. Did Real win a Champions League then in the years to come? Well, I mean, if you think about it, though, if you're saying that Ronaldo, the Ronaldo thing doesn't change, they still win it in... Well, no, they don't win it. They don't, win, they don't win it for a while till the decimal. Yeah, until 2014. They don't win until 2014. In terms of what happens to Leverkusen, I think this is actually quite a sad one. 
I think this is a rare what if that would have such a seismic effect in terms of the change of its immediate outcome. Yeah. But the long-term effect is really small. I agree with that. I'm not sure that Leverkusen keep hold of the players that were going to leave anyway. No. Or if they do maybe one more season. I'm not entirely sure that they become like a force in the Bundesliga. The effect comes more on the side of if Real Madrid don't win it, do they maybe win one? Does maybe Ronaldo then win a Champions League? I don't. If they missed out on that 2002 one, because you never know the effect of losing a final on a side that big. Maybe he wins an 04. Maybe an 04. That's the one that maybe happens, which means that actually Mourinho doesn't get his big. In the words of Heath Ledger's Joker, now we're talking. Yeah, exactly. So let's get into it. So here's the thing. Ronaldo doesn't win, Real don't win, and the whole Real project has been a glory project, right? That's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So they don't get taken, they don't get sucker punched in 0304. It doesn't happen. They're brutal that year because they've come for blood. And they haven't won one under Zidane yet, Exactly. Right? And they, they get that one. They get the one in 04, I reckon. Uh, with Zidane, sorry, and I should Mourinho say. Mourinho doesn't get his moment. And then what happens to Mourinho? Have you noticed how many what-ifs we have that ultimately end up in us erasing Jose Mourinho from... <laughs> because I really think that was marginal. I really think that like the window for someone to come from the Portuguese league and take the Premier League by storm, it needed another big victory. Like he'd won the UEFA the year before, but he needed the extra prestige of the Champions League to catapult him to superstardom. He needed it. He really needed it. And if he doesn't get it in 04, I don't think he does get it. So let's say they beat Monaco and they beat Chelsea just because this is fun. Yes. Right? And then they get to the final. What if Mourinho beats Real Madrid? That doesn't happen. And none of this is happening. It does happen. It's just us making it all up. I'm dying on this hill though. Let's go with yours first. Let's say that Porto beat Real. Because what do Porto do so brilliantly? They do the counter. And if Real are susceptible to anything, if Real Madrid in 04 is susceptible to anything, it's the counterattack. They don't take Monaco for granted because they're too smart for that. And they're playing in a one-off in a big game, but Porto in that game against, against Monaco, they get out ahead early, right? Porto hammer them. Porto have worked out. They've, they've played them twice in the group stages and they've worked out. This is what you guys do. In the same way that Ajax, it was interesting when Ajax had the Milan thing, didn't they? In the, um, yeah. yeah, they played them twice in the group stages then in the final. And mm. by the time Mourinho plays, because here's the thing Mourinho, he's a tournament coach. By the time he plays, he has a third look at you he will have worked you out. So to, yeah. to your credit, to your, let's go with your argument. It's completely plausible that Real beat Monaco, but it's also completely plausible that Porto beat Real. Can you just imagine for a second though, how oh. grim that final would have been? Yeah, I can, I can well, I've, we've seen it. We've seen it. It was the Europa League final. We've already, oh, we, oh my God. Do you know, actually, Ryan, can I say this as well? Ryan, I'm enjoying this scenario. Do you know why? Because it means that Mourinho gets even greater. Do you know why? You beat Madrid in a classic Mourinho final with the entire world watching. <laughs> because you know he, you know he do. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm nearly crying because you know of, it's the, thought you know it's of true. the size of Jose Mourinho's fucking ego if he had beaten Real Madrid in the Champions League final with Porto instead of Monaco. Do you know what's funny, actually? I now think... See, I can see what would happen. They had like, Elena Cherv, they had um, Delay, they had what um, Carlos Alberto, who, whose career evaporated after that. They had all these very, very, very clever players. Deco as well. Very clever mm. players. Oh my gosh, I can get it. Early, it's interesting you mentioned Deco actually, because he's on our final what if in a minute. Early goal from Porto. Porto squad. And then just shut minutes. shit down. And what they do, they launch it long to the channels mm. and they use the wide forwards and just deny and Ronaldo doesn't get the ball. And they produced an absolute masterclass, an unbearable masterclass of shit Someone gets a red. 85 minutes. Someone gets a red. A big Real Madrid player gets a red card. A yeah. big, a big red happens. I reckon Zidane gets really pissed off. Yeah. So a big, a big, big player gets a red. That's standard. Kicks off with like Jorge Costa or something like that. Yeah. Oh my God. Of course it'd be Costa given what, yeah. Yeah. But then how about this? Was Costa still around in that game? Was still... Yeah, he played the final in 2004. Because he kicked off against um, Ware, didn't he? Well, yeah, Ware kicked off against him. Do you know what's a really interesting other thing here, though? Is that do you know who would have been against Mourinho? Carlos Queiroz. Oh, my goodness. And then 
basically three days after Jose Mourinho's Porto beat Real Madrid in the 2004 Champions League final. He's unveiled as the new Real Madrid manager. Oh my replacing Carlos Cruz. Oh my God. <laughs> so then, oh my God, I've com- we've completely like changed. Poor, poor, poor Bayer Leverkusen, man. It's like, okay, so Bayer Leverkusen, if they win the treble. Yes. Mourinho doesn't go to Chelsea. No. The Chelsea dynasty doesn't happen no. in the mid no. in the mid 2000s. No. They don't get to the Champions League final. They maybe never win a Champions League. No. I don't think so. Holy shit. Because there'll be, Real will be like, we have got to get him. We have got to get Mourinho. How long do you think he lasts? Do you know what? I'm now going to contradict myself. I think he ends up at Chelsea anyway. Really? Yeah, because. Oh, how about this? Shit. So he goes to, he goes to Real. He doesn't the other way around, but no, 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 no. Oh my God. Oh my God. Right. (laughs) He goes to Real Madrid for three years. Yeah. He doesn't win anything. He gets fired. Interesting. He then rocks up at Chelsea, 2007. Yikes. The year that they go to the final against Manchester United and we've completed the what if. Come round full circle. Everything has come full (laughs) circle. (laughs) There you go. I reckon we wrap that one there because otherwise we'll be here till midnight. That's actually great. And I can see that. I just think the one thing I would adjust is that I think that he does, I do think he ends up at Chelsea at some point. Because I think that he becomes such an... Chelsea don't have a problem with hiring managers who've been treated badly by the clubs. They don't have a problem with that. Like, they don't have a problem with that. Like, they wouldn't... Abramovich's whole project was winning the Champions League and he would have seen Mourinho and been like, that guy can win a Champions League. I've got to get him at some point. Mm-hmm. He'd go to Madrid, it wouldn't work out and Abramovich would be like, okay, come here anyway. But him not going to Chelsea immediately gives Sir Alex Ferguson another year to regroup because he was struggling at that point. Yeah. So Ferguson emerged stronger as well. And Wenger does too, actually. Yeah. I mean, if you remove Jose Mourinho from the mid-2000s in the Premier League, it frees up a hell of a lot of space for other people. Hell yes. Right. Final one. You ready? That was a great one. That was an amazing question. Um, okay. This one from Miguel Estrella. This is a nice one to finish on. What if Pepe, Deco, Diego Costa and Thiago so Thiago Alcantara had all decided to play for Brazil instead of Portugal and Spain. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh my God. Thiago Alcantara, Pepe, Diego Costa and... Deco. Oh my God. Ah, oh, but who's the coach? Who's the coach? Cause I that, don't care. Well, okay, okay, okay. Well, <laughs> well I mean, the thing is, I... Deco, kind of mainly a different era, right? Like a, like a generation before, really. Yeah, yeah. Bit of overlap there with Pepe, but not too much. Brazil win the 2014 World Cup. Yes. They do win it. Yeah. There's no question they win the 2014 World Cup. They will have Thiago and Diego Costa. That means you're, Neymar's playing with Diego Costa instead of Fred. And Fred was good for the national side, Fred was good. as well. He was good. Don't get me wrong. He was good at what he did. But Diego Costa could lead an attack by himself. Him and Neymar, that is a problem nobody wants. And they would not get in each other's way. Thiago in midfield alongside Oscar. Oscar is freed up to do what he does best. That is absolutely terrifying. And the way... And I think... Yeah, yeah. Sorry, no, sorry, go on. No, no, that, that is... And Pepe as well. Think of the lineup. So assuming they don't get injured because they've got more squad depth. So assuming the full squad's available. Let's do that. Yeah, so the lineup for the semi-final, let's say, and let's assume that... Neymar, let's just include Neymar in this because this would have been their starting lineup. And Danny Alves. Yes. All right, so they had Julio Cesar in goal, Mike on right back, David Luiz, and Dante. So Pepe plays instead of Dante. Oh no, because you also Pepe had Thiago midfield. Silva, Pepe remember? Mid- yeah, exactly. Pepe in midfield. Mm, so let's see. Really? Who, 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 let's, let's go back for Mike on, but Danny Alves was out. So assuming Danny Alves was in. All right, so let's say they have Danny Alves. Yeah. Do you think Pepe plays with Thiago Silva instead of David Luiz? Yeah, he's better. And then Marcelo. Then they have Fernandinho. And Luis Gustavo in midfield. Mm. So maybe you have Thiago with Fernandinho. Yes, you do. Because you don't need two stoppers, really. Yeah. I mean, if Bernard, Oscar and Hulk all started with Fred up front. See, that's different. You have Neymar and Diego Costa. I think you'd have Willian. I think a different coach would use Willian. Willian and Bernard? 
Maybe not Bernard. Or maybe have Oscar, Willian, Neymar as the three behind Diego Costa. Thiago in midfield with Fernandinho. Yeah. Yeah, man, that looks that looks unbelievable. And here's the thing, here's the other thing I'm going to throw in there as well. Pep Guardiola was desperate to coach Brazil for the World Cup. Mm. Pep was desperate. And I think with a team like that, it might have swung it. I think if you'd had the extra personnel, because Pep was like, that was the he came out and said it, I would have coached the Brazil team. That's the one job I'd have come out of my sabbatical for. Pep Guardiola coaching that Brazil team wins the World Cup. I think it wins the World Cup. And even without them, even without, even with Scolari there and those pieces, I think that team wins the World Cup. It's just so, so good. And it's fearless. It's absolutely fearless. Yeah. It has more problems for opposition, for sure. It does. Because they can- it also adds, also though, if you stick Pepe in there as well, and then you've got Dante and David Luiz as the backup centre-halves, you can even switch to a back three. Yeah, you can. And that liberates and you the have back. Dani Alves and Marcelo. Oh my God. 2000, we're 2002 World Cup final again. Yeah, so basically you have, let's say you have Luis, uh, Thiago Silva, Pepe as the back three. Yeah. You have works. Marcelo and Alves as the two on the right. Oh and then God. you don't even need to play a third one in midfield, in midfield behind Costa. You can play Neymar off Costa yeah. as a two. And in midfield three. And then have Willian, Thiago and Fernandinho. Fernandinho as the three behind him. That's unbelievable as a team. That wins the World Cup. Uh, that wins the world. So you almost play. You're almost playing a three-four-three, three, really. Well, you're playing like a fluid you're, you're, one because Marcelo and Dani Alves get so high anyway. Dude, you're playing. That's the same as 2002 World Cup final. Scolari. That's Scolari system. Hmm. The whole point of Scolari in the 2014 World Cup was he couldn't play the style he wanted in 2002. Hmm. And when we all saw what happened, when you added that balance, when Clayberson, the took out Gini and brought in Clayberson, and they played a three-four, a three-one-four-two, effectively. It just changed the entire... So Fernandinho would be the one in this system and you'd have Willian and Thiago side by side and the two flying fullbacks. That changes everything. And so Brazil win the home World Cup. Yeah. Bolsonaro still gets elected. Let's not go too far. You reckon? Yeah, all right, yeah, okay. Yeah, like, Bolson- uh, yeah, I, right, could, I could right. see where the galaxy... You could see my brain was the going. Galaxy brain. All right, all right, all right, all right okay. <laughs> okay. Let's shut that one down. All right, but let's say, let's switch over to the German the German perspective. <laughs> Fernando maybe becomes elected. <laughs> maybe Love doesn't survive that World Cup. Ryan, mm-hmm. if we've learned anything from our time in Germany, it's that Love survives everything. If Love could survive what Germany did in that World Cup. Think about it though. So the reason that he got the, he got the continuation of that project was because think of that, that Germany side that emerged in South Africa. Yeah. It was super exciting. Yes. It was like a new dawn of this Germany side. If they didn't go through, if they got to the final one, well, they would have lost in the semi-final against Brazil, for example. If they lose in that semi-final, I'm not sure Love keeps the gig. But here's the thing, there would have been no shame in losing in that semi. They'd played so well up until then. And like, I think there would have been room for like, there would have been a strong argument for giving him another tournament at the very least. I mean- Yeah, but, it, but he's still not around now then. The reason he got the contract extended before 2018 was purely because they won the World Cup in 2014. Right. So if they hadn't won the World Cup in 2014, I don't think he gets that much goodwill. You don't think he gets another tournament, the Euros? Yeah, but then his 2016, you're just you're either delaying it from 2014 to 2016. They didn't win in 2016 and they wouldn't have won in 2016. That's true, that's true, that's true. So he either goes after 2014 or he goes after 2016. If he goes after 2014... Clock. Or you up high If someone's not available, <laughs> give you up a call. <laughs> you up's chilling on his porch with an apple shoulder. Yeah. Which, uh, for those who don't know, is essentially apple juice and fizzy water on a nice late summer evening. And the phone goes, Yacht's one of those people who's still got a cord phone, yeah. but it's one of those really long cord phones. So it's out next to him, swinging on his rocking chair, takes a sip, phone goes, <laughs> picks up the phone. It's the DFB president. Yup, you kids. <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, Langanikas Ian. <laughs> He's like, uh, we're getting rid of Yogi. He's going to have to go. It's Wednesday, 2014. Let's say this is July 2014. Fancy a stab at the national gig. Oh, I don't know, guys. My wife is not happy. United. You know, and then trouble. all of a sudden, you hear a call. You can hear a call from inside. Who's on the phone? Yep. Oh, no one. Just a no friend. Just a friend. No one did. No one did. <laughs> yup takes the gig. His wife comes out. Uh, honey, I've got something to tell you. <laughs> I'm going to take the national job. 
Yup, I thought we spoke about this. <laughs> he did the treble. Because think, he did the treble the year before. Exactly. And his wife said, you're not doing football. Never again. You're, you're not doing we football. We spoke about you're this. You're not doing football. Yeah, but, but just two tournaments, one Euro. You're not the doing football. Look at, you're not look at doing the guys fo- they've got. Look at the guys they've got. They've got, the f- you know, Peak, Tony Kroos, Thomas Muller. You said this uh, in 1976. Urzel, you said this in... Jerome Boateng, <laughs> Matt Thomas. You said, but think, what happened after the Real Madrid job? You were so sad. You didn't talk for two months. And now we've just got back. Things are nice. The allotment's looking good. The allotment. We've got the allotment, Europe. Isn't that enough? Think of your grandchildren. <laughs> Do you know what's so funny about this? I can see. I can imagine. 100% would happen. I can imagine that his wife, I think his wife has cut the cord, the cordless phone. And she's like, oh, I, I'm sure I had mail. I, I'm sure I had mail. You sure? Oh, no, Europe. You know, we are oh, we... It's just email now. Ah, oh, but I thought there was post. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure there was. And they're like all these job offers. Straight on the fire. Yeah, all these- <laughs> straight on the fire. <laughs> <laughs> that is completely uh, plausible. Good old you. We love you at Pinecrest. You know so what? Much. I actually, I'd love to hang out with him one afternoon. I would as well. I think he'd be a really, really fun dude to hang around with. Oh. He's got some stories. I bet. I'd bake from some- the Gladback days. Let's I go. Bet. Let's go. Jeez. Let's go and bake some bread and take. Let's bake some bread and take it to him. I stuck out because you know, stuck the out. idea of like virtual, virtual meetups with a uh, because is just too exciting for words. I want to leave you on that. I want to leave you on that note. Bit of admin before we go. Yeah. Don't forget, subscribe to the Ringer FC Spotify feed. That is where Stadio will be in full from now on. You can still listen to the first segments on the Stadio feed. If you're listening to this before Monday, BritishPodcastAwards.com forward slash vote. Search for Stadio. Go and vote. Vote for us in the Listener's Choice Award. I will never say this ever again. <laughs> so thanks very much. We're on Twitter at Stadio. Musa's on Twitter at Alkwanga. I'm on Twitter at Ryan Hunt. Stadio Football on Instagram. Stadio.football is our website. But make sure you check theringer.com forward slash soccer. And anything else you want to plug, Musa Alkwanga, before we get out of here? I just want to plug the continued happiness of our listeners. Look at this troll hiding in plain sight. <laughs> I will save you all from him, listeners. Uh, thanks for listening everyone thanks to everyone who submitted what ifs we hope you're all staying safe and well have a great weekend and we'll be back on Monday take care everyone